0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Homewrecker Podcast. I am the Golden Greek, Alex Arion, and I'm joined this week, once again, as always, by my beautiful, tremendous, amazing, gorgeous, trophy wife, Monique. Monique, how are you?
1: I'm well, thank you. And how are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic, as always.
1: I'm also really excited because we have two very, very, very special guests with us today.
0: Yes, we do. Would you like to introduce them?
1: I do. We have the author of my all-time favorite book ever, Runes of Steel, here with us, Mr. Jack Cullen. Hi, Jack. How are you?
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: And we have my brother, Jay.
2: Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous.
1: <laughs> it's like, we have Jack Cullen, oh my God, and my brother Jay. Oh Sorry. yeah, Jay's <laughs>
0: here too. Hi, Jay. Hi. Hi, Jack. What are we doing? All right. All right.
1: All right, so we're going to talk about the book today, but before we do that... Yes. Alex, do you remember uh, some episodes back, we talked about wrestling? Mm-hmm, yeah. And we talked about when I was a little kid, watching wrestling, seeing them live, I wanted to run into the ring and be a part of it. Yeah. And I was curious, like, what, yeah. what stops people from doing that?
0: Usually the security barricade and common sense.
1: I think it's... Especially the common sense, but lately I've been seeing on social media, watching videos of fans actually getting more involved in attacking wrestlers. Uh, there was one recently where a female wrestler uh, got thrown against the barricade, and some guy just like wrapped his arms around her, grabbing her. Somebody else got involved. He spit at a wrestler, and I was just thinking, like, okay, but why would you? I, I get wanting to get involved and help your favorite guy, but what makes you think it's okay to actually put your hands on another person like that? It was just, I guess, shocking to me. I thought, like, you think of that as a child, not as an adult.
0: Yeah, well, speaking as a former wrestler, we are taught that if a fan puts their hands on you or crosses that barricade and steps into the ring or anything like that, it's it's fucking open season. Fuck you. Get the fuck out of my ring. You're in my fucking world now, motherfucker. And you beat the shit out of them. That's it. Because you don't know if somebody's coming at you with a knife, if they got a gun. You don't know what they're doing. Because they're not part of the show. They're just interjecting themselves and, like I said, stepping into our world as wrestlers. Mm -hmm. So I guess we're in kind of a weird gray area now where people that are behind the security barricade think that it's okay to put their hands on you. I'm not okay with that. I'm seeing all this stuff now and it seems like it's becoming a more common occurrence and it's bullshit. I don't understand why people think it's okay. I do think that the fact that people are putting clips of this on social media is giving it more attention and that's in turn causing all these people that are you know, fucked in the head to say well I want attention and that's their fucked up way of getting it. That's what I think. Now I could be wrong I don't know but whatever it's got to stop so if you're a fan of professional wrestling which i know we have some to listen and you go to a wrestling event guess what you're there to be entertained you're not there to become part of the show and guess what it's a fucking show don't put your hands on the people okay keep your fucking hands off the performers end of story
1: if you want to be a wrestler Especially if you're in the New England area, there is a great school run by our friend Brian Fury, the New England Pro Wrestling Academy. Go there, put in the work, become a wrestler, and then you can be part of the show.
0: Yeah, there's a thought.
1: See, But people, I guess, just want to do it the easy way, which is actually the hard way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, people are assholes. I I was telling you earlier about the time that you brought up Brian Fury, so... Uh, Brian and I were having a match uh, against each other in uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts, and somebody took a drink and threw it on Brian. Now we're we're you know in the in the heat of the match, I'm you know he's my hated enemy. I'm a, I'm a bad guy. He's a good guy. Whatever, baby face heel. And I saw somebody do that. I'm like, that's my fucking friend. So I grabbed somebody else's drink and I threw it at the guy that, that threw it on Brian. And then, like, no shit, full scale riot broke out. <laughs> Everybody just went nuts and started throwing shit, throwing chairs. I get Brian, I throw him back because we, we had brawled out into the crowd. I should probably have mentioned that. <laughs> uh, and, and usually, anytime we do that, we know there's a, there's a risk of something happening because now we're going, we're crossing that barricade. But it's kind of something that happens every now and again. And for the most part, until this time, whenever we've done it, Fans know you just get away. It's part of the show. Just back away, move away. You, know, you always say to people, move. Like before I throw somebody, move. And they move because they know because most people aren't stupid. But this guy must have had too many or whatever. And he, he threw that drink. And it just immediately, I went out of character. It was like, that's my friend. <laughs> grabbed the drink, threw it at him. And then I saw all the chaos kind of start happening. So I grabbed Brian. I threw him back over the barricades. We get into the ring. And I put him in a headlock. And I just said, We're going to sit here for a minute while it calms down. And just Mm -hmm. a bunch of people, like all our security had to come in and calm everybody down. But.
1: What promotion was that for? It was
0: for the old WFA, the promotion. Okay. Because I was just thinking,
1: like the old chaotic wrestling, quote unquote, security. I'd be like, I don't think they'd know what to do. At least back then when I first started, they'd just like sit in the chair and they wouldn't even get up if like the wrestlers are trying to use the chair. Like they wouldn't know what to do.
0: Yeah. Well, and then there was another time when I was in Puerto Rico wrestling and. I I wasn't I didn't start this riot. It was actually my friend that, sure. <laughs> that started. No, totally I totally not his I, I fault. I promise this was one wasn't friend. my fault. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I had to <laughs> legal disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 wasn't me. Uh, he actually had flown his girlfriend down to uh, to see him, and she was sitting in the stands. And he came out kind of like out of the dressing room. And there was two down in Puerto Rico. They do things. They still think it's real down there. Believe it or not. And um, I was a good guy. He was a bad guy. So we were in separate dressing rooms. They keep the dressing room separate down there. So I I get a a knock on the dressing room door and all the guys had to come over like, quick, get to the ring, get to the ring, get to the ring. Okay. Didn't know what was going on. We just bolted for the ring. We get out into the ring and we're getting beat up by the bad guys. And it was because the reason they had us come out was because my friend had come out of the the other locker room to see his girlfriend he came in like he was like disguised he had sunglasses on he put his hat on he was trying to be all discreet and the fans hated him so much down there that somebody recognized him and threw a drink at his head so he turns around and he you know he grabbed something he threw it back at the fan and then they just like there the the show was in like a soccer stadium so they were all on bleachers and you just see the people like kind of come down I remember remember him describing it to me he's like it was like the sea of people just went It started coming at me and so he runs and locks, he grabs his girlfriend runs and locks himself into the the bad guy locker room, the heel locker room and all the fans started going towards the locker room so what happened was the the promoter had us come out and go into the ring to try to divert attention away from the people that were on the heel locker room so it worked for some of the people but the people that were still like right in the general vicinity were still pounding on the door so we had to get the, the, a little bit of inside wrestling stuff. We had to get a couple of the bad guys that were in the ring and start fighting them towards that locker room to kind of part the people. And eventually we got them all the way to the locker room. It parted the... It got everybody to kind of calm down because we started beating the shit out of them. So everybody's like, oh, okay, they're getting theirs. And they all kind of slowly... But it was fucking scary. People people can be... It's It's not a fun scene to be in. Now... We were talking before we started recording. Have you guys ever done... Because you guys are both police officers. Have you guys ever done details at a pro wrestling event? Yes. And, and have you ever had anything crazy like that happen?
2: No, I've only done it a couple times, and it was, uh, it was no issues at all. Um, you know, I'd have to walk the wrestlers out to the cars at the end of the night, which was kind of funny because they all towered over me at the time. <laughs> you know, a long time ago, I weighed about a buck sixty at that point, so it wasn't like I could have, you know, someone's going for those guys. What am I going to do? Right. <laughs> but um, I also I did a, a dare school at, in Worcester, and the WWF wrestlers were staying there while we were at the school. And it was very weird because we're out in the lobby doing Trest Falls and, you know, Saja Slaughter's walking by. <laughs> so it was, it was a little weird.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. What about, like, you ever done details of, like, concerts or anything like that where people just get r- crazy, rowdy, out of control?
2: Yeah, sometimes. It, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, the, the trick is to mitigate it. You know, you don't want to make it worse.
0: Right. Yeah. Move them along. <laughs> Bo- move along, yeah. I guess I'm curious, <laughs> too. Uh-oh. <laughs>
1: I just think too, like, what would you do if you're wrestling and some little kid, like some seven year old, comes in the ring and starts, like, going off on you? Well,
0: that's different. I mean, obviously, you, <laughs> you'd
1: you be like, where the hell's the mom? Let him win.
0: <laughs> What's, yeah, yeah, right. Let him win. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: <laughs>
0: I, I, I don't think that's ever happened to me. I think I, I got to, we got to ask our friend Jamie about this because okay. I did something to a little kid one time, not meaning to. Was but, that when
1: you grabbed the chair?
0: Yes, that's so, what it was. Yes, okay, so you know the story. There. Okay, what so happened? that was
1: like I think that was like one of my first chaotic shows after I started training before yep. I was a ring girl. Okay. So, I was sitting it was like the second row by the entrance, and there was a dad and a little girl in front of me. And I'm kind of watching her and she's so adorable. She's so into the show, and then you come out. And I didn't really know you then. And you're like going off and like you rip the chair out from under her and like she almost falls on her ass and like the dad's try to pick her up and she got upset because you were very fired up and obviously you're in character, right? but it was, I could see how for a small child, it would be scary. So I think getting a chair ripped out and almost getting hurt, but having that fear and then have it be done by some big scary guy just didn't really help at all so yeah
0: i can also say i don't know what i was thinking i it must have to me looked like an empty chair because i wouldn't just rip it out of a, a little kid you know what i was thinking what, what
1: a fucking asshole yeah. who yeah. the fuck what, it's a kid you're gonna fucking rip a chair out from under a kid fuck you right. because i'm a mom I, I was a mom at that point i had my first son and I, as a mom I'm like, what the fuck? And then after, like, I'm hearing people like, that was fucking awesome. Dad's mad. He's going to come back to the next show because he wants to see what happens. And I'm just like, that poor child. I did my job. Yeah.
0: I did my job. Yeah. Oh, part of the plan. Uh, Oh, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. So, guys, I have a question for all three of you. I just, I'm trying to get a little clarity about what you guys would do in a situation. Imagine yourself, you're an Amazon delivery driver, and you need to deliver a package. You pull into the driveway of the residence, and you notice that the people who live there are in their vehicle trying to leave. Would you back your vehicle up so they could leave the residence? Or would you stay there, get out, and then go deliver the package and leave, making those people wait? I'm curious.
2: So is this an apartment building or a house? A house. I'd probably walk over and give them the package.
1: Jay, what would you do?
0: Same thing. Give them the package. Here you go. Make sure they get it. It's not stolen off the porch.
2: And then quickly move the vehicle.
1: What if they're having an emergency and had to get their kid to the hospital?
2: Did they tell me that? I mean, if they're but- frantically waving, then yeah, I'd move the vehicle. Okay.
1: But- what would you do, Alex?
0: <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat as them. I'd probably give you the package.
1: Well, it's funny because... <laughs>
0: It, I give the package and I'd be like, all right, have a good day. Bye.
1: It's funny because this has happened to me twice. And it happened this morning again. And the guy gets out and I'm trying to leave with my son. And we weren't in a rush. But he goes to give the package. and I just motion to the door because Alex is home. And so he stops, goes back, gets another package. And then he goes and he leaves. And I'm just thinking, like, why wouldn't you just back up and let us leave? Like you pulled in. You see me trying to drive out. But then I thought about it and I was like, okay, well, the poor guy probably just wants to make sure that we get our package, especially in a day and age where there's so much package theft.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: he can say, no, I got her. What if it's something important that you need? Maybe you're waiting on it. Here you go. So it brings me to my positive thought of the week. Don't be an asshole. Instead, be empathetic. Try to put yourself in the mindset of other people. Because it's really easy to overreact and feel inconvenienced by somebody or annoyed by somebody. But try to put yourself in their shoes and try to be more empathetic and understanding. And as I said last week, to be kind and do good things, you'll start to do that more. So that is my positive thought of the week.
2: Jay, what have you been telling her about me? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: um. (laughs) (laughs) Tremendous. (laughs) All right. Well.
0: Was there anything else you wanted to get off your chest, or did you have anything else that was going to get me fired up? Or
1: no, I I will just give a really quick story about zombies because we've talked about it before. My irrational fear of zombies. Okay. I've been walking in the cemetery in the morning. I go pretty early. The cre- like literally like the sun is just coming up. Still a little dark out. I'm walking in the cemetery the other day, and I see a big pile of dirt near a grave, and I'm like oh my God, is that like an open grave? Are they like putting the dirt in? Did they have to stop? Is somebody getting buried there? Is what if this, oh my God, the zombies are coming. Oh my God, the zombies are coming. They're going to come get me. And then I'm like, Monique, nope, nope. This is all within a split second. These thoughts are going in my
0: mind. You're so fucked.
1: (laughs) So I guess I wasn't really over the zombie thing, but I I, I almost like avoided that area because I was afraid like, no just
0: You realize it's a cemetery, I so the, there's going to be lots of holes like that.
1: I know. They
0: bury people it, there.
1: It did. It freaked That's me out a little do. bit. But I was like, you know what? Suck it up, buttercup. Keep walking. It was a drainage ditch. They were <laughs> you got taking
0: around. out about the drainage ditch, huh? Wow.
1: No, I got freaked out about zombies trying to eat my brains, Jay, okay?
2: I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the fact that you know you're afraid of zombies, but you walk through a cemetery. Yeah. I- <laughs> Isn't that like being afraid of dogs and going through the animal shelter?
1: (laughs) No, because I thought I got over my irrational fear of zombies.
0: Oh, that's why. Okay. Uh. But
1: instead of running away or going a different path, I walked by. I conquered my fear and realized that there was nothing to be afraid of.
0: Well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, you've seen every damn zombie movie ever made. What's there to be afraid of? You know how to combat them.
1: <laughs> this is true. But if I had you, we'd have a better chance.
0: <laughs> Probably, yes.
1: And speaking of zombies, let's talk about this wonderful, awesome book that I love so much because there is mention of zombies in this book.
0: Oh, look at that segue.
1: Oh, you like
0: that? Wow. Yeah. Check
2: you out.
1: I, I got to ask you, Jack. Have you always wanted to write a book, and what inspired you to write this book?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I always read a lot (laughs) as a kid. Actually, no, that's not true. I didn't read a lot until the second grade, and I wasn't reading at all. My father made me read an hour a day, and I hated it until I discovered the Hardy Boys. And then I tore through them, and I went from this series to that series. Eventually, I started reading left and right. Um, Yeah, I was had in the back of my mind, but you know, my family's always been law enforcement. We've been cops since 1910. Wow. So, uh, 1910, 1910. Yeah. Wow. Uh, five of us in the same department and my wife makes six, but she was a different department. So I always wanted to do that. But yeah, I always kind of wanted to write the book. It was on the bucket list, you know, something to do someday. Then a buddy of mine wrote a book and then he wrote another book and a third book. And I started talking to him. And I'm like, how'd you do it? And yeah, you know, he gave me some advice, and then I read this article Stephen King uh, uh, wrote, and he basically said, "Look at it as a business. You pick a number, doesn't matter what it is, five hundred, and you write five hundred words a day. That's your job." I did a thousand. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I got to do it, and I I enjoyed it immensely, and it, you know, I have a whole series planned out. There's some things in the book that'll lead to the second, third, fourth book.
1: I'm like totally freaking out right now. Like.
2: <laughs> but the the, the the basis of it, I, um, I mean, it says right on the back cover, so I'm not giving it away. There's a, there's a terrorist aspect to this. Years ago, right after 9-11, the department I work for sent myself and your father to uh, New York, to Ground Zero, to assist. And um, I was very amazed by how many people came together and, to help out on such a tragedy and various agencies from around the country. You know, it has has a profound effect on you, and I wanted to kind of reflect a little bit on that book. But in this particular case, because of the very nature of the city, they couldn't ask for outside help. So it was the citizens of that city that had the band together uh, in the face of of this terrorist attack.
1: I remember when my dad went uh, to New York for that, and I remember wanting to go. I just wanted to go and help because, I mean, Jay, you know that's how I am. And I remember him coming back and just telling me about it. And it, it's one of those things where you get hit and you realize how people get back up. And reading this book, you're going to have people who can't fight for themselves, who can't help themselves, and they need people to help. And, and that's what you feel in this book is the people who don't give up. And I'm going to start crying because it's, it's like, it gets to you. Like They don't give up. They keep, they're getting their asses kicked. And they don't stop because people need their help. And I look at it as like, that's what so many cops do out there and firefighters. They just keep going because people need their help. And no matter what you feel about police officers, you know, they're there to help you. And they'll help you no matter what, whether they agree with you politically or in any other way, they're going to help you because it's their job and because they care. They're there because they want to help people. And reading this book, you feel that you feel... Just the desire to help people even though you feel like you can't even go out anymore. I mean, this main character and in, in the other characters in the book, they just don't stop. And it, it's so powerful. And it's beautiful.
2: Thank you very much. I, uh, that's uh, You've been very complimentary of the book. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course. It's a human spirit. It is.
0: Right? I mean, that's... That's what it's all about. It's, it's just, that's being a human. And I think, especially nowadays, we lose sight of that kind of stuff with all the distractions of social media and all the, just the negativity and everything else. But when 9-11 happened, no matter what anybody says about that event, yeah, it did. It brought everybody but, together. It was definitely a unifying thing. Mm-hmm. No matter how it came about, who was behind it, who planned it, who orchestrated it, who carried it out, whatever, it still brought us together you know, everybody. Because I remember, I I think this is one of those things where if you were alive, you know where you were when it happened. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that was the thing. Everybody just came together.
1: And I touched on the characters. There is a wonderful ensemble of characters that you wrote. It's hard to pick one. I mean, it's so hard to pick a favorite one. I love them all. And they're like the Beanie Babies. It's like, how you want to collect them all? It's like I love every baby. <laughs> well, it's like because wow. there's so many, right. you just you love them all. You can't choose just one favorite. They're it's like good. yeah, that's how I feel about your characters. Were any characters inspired by real life people?
2: Yeah, I get asked that a lot. It's kind of funny. People that know me, they will read the book and be like, "Hey, this was based off so and so." No, um, they're pretty much all fictional. There's one character who I'm not going to mention because just by mentioning this character will give some plot away. But was, appearance-wise, was based off of uh, a former partner of mine named Pete, who's since passed away. Rugged, I mean, just a poster child of the old-time, you know, rough-and-tumble street cop. You know, the old street monsters back in the day. Uh, Very, very tough cop in his day. And, um, you know, I kind of patented the physical description of this character off of him. The other one was, I have a character in there, Martin.
1: I love Martin.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he's one of my favorite characters. He's not based off anybody in real life, but I did name him off of somebody I grew up with um, who uh, it was uh, having a, a, a tough life experience at the time I was writing the book, and I kind of named it to him to cheer him up. But I didn't think it was going to take a year and a half to write the book, so it was kind of, uh, you know, by the time I got around to, you know, you know, in the book it says, hey, surprise, hope you like the character. But that was a year and a half after I planned on trying to surprise him with it. But other than that, the characters themselves are, no, they're not made after any specific person, regardless of how much my sister will claim otherwise.
1: (laughs) 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 Oh, that's so awesome. Now, you had beta readers read the book before it went out. My brother was actually a beta reader. Correct. So I'm curious, with the feedback you got, were any changes made or did everyone just love it and left it as is?
2: No, uh, the beta readers absolutely assisted me in making the book. The majority of beta readers, you know, they'd read it and say, hey, I like this character, this plot line, I don't like, change this, change that. A couple of them were specialists. Your brother was one of them. If I had a gun question, I went to your brother. You know, I'm familiar with firearms, but not to the level that Jay is. So, you know, I'd call him up and, what do you think of this firearm? Oh, that's great. Or, yeah, you know what? This is a better caliber. Try this. Two of the probably biggest changes I made in relation to beta readers was there was a character, Valentine, that I'm not going to go into the details on, but... He had a much smaller role. Uh, my female beta readers were uh, really liked this character and uh, asked me to expand his role, and it improved the plot dramatically by doing so. The other one was another character, Repeat, who. Fast. <laughs> um, well, it, it Repeat initially, you know, he wasn't designed to be a likable character. But a lot of people really didn't like Repeat, and I had to basically go. Well, do you not like him because he's not likable, or do you just not like the character? And it was kind of split. So mm-hmm. I went back and I rewrote Repeat significantly, and uh, that too I think improved the book dramatically.
1: You need to read this book because the character Repeat, you're like, what the fuck? It's so awesome! It, ah, I I don't want to give too much away, but it's it's amazing. It, it's you, you okay if if you're listening to this stop right now, put the podcast on pause, go buy his book on Amazon. We're going to put a link to it on our on our website, on our Twitter, everywhere. Buy the book and read it because y- you're going to thank me. What other characters did you get feedback about and what kind of feedback did you get from those characters?
2: So one of my beta readers, uh, Sarah Vieta, uh, gave me a lot of feedback. She really, really liked the main character, Mike Brennan's mother mm. uh, that kind of took me a surprise I went, well, wait a second you're both nurses and she went oh that might be it <laughs> but she really which the, the mother is a minor character in the book but she mm. talked a lot about how she liked the character and that the character was fun to write me personally my favorite characters were probably martin absolutely martin eddie and uh, Bad Penny. Bad Penny wrote herself. Bad, I love Bad, Bad Penny. Bad Penny was a minor character, and she just exploded on the page and just kind of took control of the book. And I talked to, um, you know, there's, there's uh, all this networking between authors. And, you know, I'd go to these conferences and stuff, and I'd ask, you know, these well-established authors. I'd go, you ever have a character that just comes to life and runs away? And like, oh, yeah. Yep. Every book. So it's it, it's kind of funny. I'm glad I wasn't the only one, but yeah. You it, did
1: such a good job writing these characters too that it's like when you're reading it, it's like, you know how sometimes you have to try to put yourself in that character's shoes so you understand where they're coming from to kind of feel what they're about? Right. I felt like you didn't have to do it. It's just you instantly felt these characters, like I could totally play them in a movie, like no matter what, because it just felt so, I, I think they felt very realistic.
2: Oh, well, that's what I was trying for, so yeah. thank you. Um, yeah, um, I should mention David is also another one of my favorite characters.
1: Yes, now love, love him.
0: With using the beta readers and everything, now obviously when you go to write the book, you have a basic outline, right? You know pretty much what you're writing about, what the story's going to be about. But you, when you bring in the feedback of beta readers, how much did that change or shape where the outline or where the story went did it have any bearing on like the main story at all did you make any major changes or anything like that based off of feedback you were getting from people that were that Uh, were the beta readers
2: yes Uh, i mean unfortunately part of my personality is you know uh my thought process working through something is if if you say hey i don't like this i'm going to challenge you on it and my arguing with you is my process to get through it yeah. Which can be kind of funny because I have several friends the same way. So it's like from the outside, it's like, oh, my God, they' got to fight. You know, and it's like we're working through the, the thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny. Uh, unfortunately, some of my other beta readers weren't like that. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not yelling at you. I'm just trying to, you know, get a handle on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, generally, if let's say I have 10 beta readers, if nine of them say the same thing, make the change. Yeah. If one of them says it and you agree with them, make the change. If you disagree with them. Sure. Don't. But yes, uh, mostly the feedback changes I made, for the most part, were involving characters. But by changing the characters, it changed the plot and it adjusted okay. it. yeah. And it made it, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many drafts I've written, you know, before I had the final product. It was polish, polish, polish. Yeah. And a lot of that came from my beta readers. Wow.
0: Now, how long did it take from start? Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to write a thousand words a day. How long did it take for making that decision... Going through all the drafts, all the beta readers, all the feedback to the final polished book that we have here now.
2: I'll let you know when it's done. No. uh, (laughs) My rough draft came out in about three months. Okay. And then I did uh, probably another year, not quite a year and a half, but, you know, of polishing. And, uh, you know, I used editors... Which is huge. If you're going to write, you need an editor because you need somebody. After a while, you're not seeing on your computer screen what you actually typed, you're seeing what you wanted to type. Sure. So you'll miss stuff.
0: Okay, yeah. Um,
2: So, one of the processes I did, I got to give a shout out to another author, Rick Gugliateri. He writes Tomb of Bill. He's a self published author and he writes, he does a a video um, called uh, Tales of a Midlist Author. And he gives a lot of instruction to people who want to be authors. And he's got a rabid fan group, and they're made up of authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of his fans write their own series. He, he gives you advice, and one of the advice he gives is he goes, use um, you know, Google Speak or whatever you have on your computer and listen to it, not just read it. And that makes a huge... You're going to be able to pick stuff up that your eyes don't, your ears will. Sure. But once that's done, you send it to an editor. Because they'll catch stuff, it's not just grammar, but they'll also catch stuff like, well, wait a second, uh, John Smith had a gun in this scene, and then the next paragraph, he's holding a sword. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, you, you yeah. Know, So they, they, they catch things that you, you miss plot-wise. Like little continuity errors yep. and things like that, Absolutely. yeah. it's okay. very important to have an editor. Sure.
1: A lot of people know about vampires, zombies, witches, to a certain extent, because mostly because of movies, TV's. Not a lot of people know about runes, ley lines, things like that. So how did you know about these things in in order to write about it? Was it something you already knew about, or did you have to learn more about it?
2: I'm a voracious reader. Back in my single days, I basically I read a book a day and still managed to make it to the pub husband, dad now. I don't read that quickly anymore, but I read a lot. And, you know, one of the biggest, it's kind of funny. It's like, uh, when I was a kid, I liked cop books. I like military. I went to military. I started reading military books. I became a cop. I stopped reading cop books, but I still read fantasy and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, that's, you know, ley lines, magics, runes. That's, that's a staple in most of the fantasy books, uh, urban fantasy, epic fantasy, things along those lines. But I picked and choose. I mean, a lot of that I twisted to my own flavor or adjusted. Or there's a couple of things. I went back to original roots that um, have been changed over the years by other books or movies. There's a, a particular type of creature in there that was portrayed in a couple of movies, mm-hmm. and that's how most people view that creature. The way I wrote it was the actual myth. I went way back to the, you know, when I first came I,
1: I noticed some of that, because some of the stuff that you discuss, it's not necessarily the typical what we see now. It's more of how I kind of understand things are. And I thought it was really cool to touch on the zombie point. I used to s- practically study zombies, all the different movies <laughs> and everything, and how, like, you kind of even break down some of the zombies. Is it... Drager, is that how you say it?
2: Right. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's yeah. Well, part of it is so much of the standard fancy stuff has been covered in TV series, books, uh, movies. You kind of want to put your own stamp on it. Mm-hmm. So I went with an older German name for that, but I changed them. I I wanted the the traditional voodoo zombies. Yeah. So I've got them in there, yes. but then I wanted like the the fast moving. Y- y- you know, yeah. type zombie. So I, that's the draggers. I kind of made them the quicker, oh. nastier version.
1: And I liked how you did that because it's like, again, somebody who essentially studied zombies, it's like originally a lot of zombies came from voodoo where they would just basically enslave people. Right. <laughs> so I, I thought that was really neat how you did that. Another really awesome thing about this book is the artwork on the cover. I saw that. My brother handed me the book and I saw it and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. There's runes on there. There's a badge do with armor and a shield. I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And then I saw that your daughter did the artwork. And I'm just like, wait a minute. His daughter can't be like an adult. He's too young for that. So how fucking old is his daughter? (laughs) Because like, I'm an adult and I can't even do that. There are some really gifted people out there, but I'm just thinking like, there's no way a kid could have done that. But she did.
2: So, what you're telling me is you judged a book by its cover. I
1: totally did.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's your cover sells your book. (laughs) Regardless of that saying, you have to have a good cover. If you don't, people won't pick it off the shelf to look in the first place. Yeah. Um, My daughter, Jocelyn, did do the cover, Uh, she's 14 she's very talented. Look, well, obviously. Obviously, obviously, I mean, I'm biased she's my daughter, <laughs> but you know, she, she goes to an art school. Um, She's about to go to a high school that specializes in, in the arts Uh and she wants to be an animator when she grows up. She wants to work for Cartoon Network and I kind of, you know, I, I guilt her into doing the cover because I knew she'd do a really good job and you know, it's good for the portfolio and uh, she, she did a great job. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic but I, I wasn't one of those parents who was like, oh, that was nice. I was like, nope, nope. You need to move this here. This needs to shine better. What can you do? And, she, you know, she. there was a couple of times I thought she was going to whip her tablet on me. <laughs> but uh, but no, that's good I thought for she them, right? Herself. Yep. yep.
0: Well, you, say, no, you say whip her tab- the tablet. Does she do that? Is that all electronic?
2: Yeah. Like
1: on the computer. Yeah.
2: It's it's, it's called digital art. Um, basically, she took, you know, I, I got the rights to some photos. She's altered them. She's... Brought uh, other things, uh, created things, and, and put them all together. So uh, huh. to, to create it, you know, change the lighting, uh, it's it's a complicated process. I was going to
0: say, yeah, like I'm looking at it now and I'm like, wait, that was this was all on the computer? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was such yeah. a
1: great job.
0: I thought she painted it.
1: it listen, if I don't you... know which
0: one would be more
2: impressive.
1: <laughs> right. I don't
0: know. If, well, I don't she's know. Got, she's got, Either way.
2: She's, she can do all of it, but yeah. with, with this particular thing you know i I bought the rights to a couple images the night, and then yeah. she altered it because with the the rights that I bought, you can do that yeah the the runes the badge the setup the uh the steel she created all that one of the biggest problems was I wanted a kind of like a uh, a branding, so for those who haven't seen the book, the title runes of Steel the r is a uh actual rune that looks like an R it's not a real rune we created it specifically yeah. for the book for but you make it real yeah true that was probably one of the toughest things to do for the cover oh, and wow. I, I drove her an nuts and we brought in uh somebody else to help to use on a different thing John Love he's acknowledged in the book uh he was able to show us some tricks uh just on the rune everything else. She just punched it out On her own that's, Wow That's nuts
1: Listen If you work For Cartoon Network wow. You need to find her And hire her Because Girls got talent Seriously Yeah
2: right There yeah, you let go her, Let wow. her finish school First please Thank <laughs> you She's a
0: tremendous artist You know I've seen some of the other stuff She's done And it's really great I really don't want to Give too much away And I told you about this Your back cover uh-huh. Repeat Yeah So I'm like Oh I would love Because her, her hand done art it's really really awesome Yeah I'm like of you In like an inside back cover, you ought to have her draw a repeat on the badge with the helmet and the sword, and, you know. Bit, oh. That would be so awesome.
1: Oh, that, that would be, <laughs> badass. Oh, that'd be great. I love that.
2: Yeah, no, she's got, she's got some serious skills. I think next time we're actually going to take the photographs that we're going to use for the cover because she's also skilled in taking mm-hmm. pictures. You know, we have a friend with a photo studio, John Love, so we're gonna we're gonna do some pictures for maybe we'll do a photo shoot somewhere down the line for maybe the next three book covers. Nice, and um, that way it'll all be our own stuff. That's awesome. That, I know. I was like, yeah, that's, that's really great. cool. Because I'm
1: like, you're totally going to make her have to do the next books. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean. Listen, she doesn't do that many chores. She can make the book cover. <laughs> yeah, right. like,
1: yeah, totally. I, I, I m- mow the go. lawn. She
2: can do the book cover. There you Perks go. That's fair. of thing. having
1: kids, <laughs> make them do stuff for you. Like, you know, make the artwork cover for your book. It's awesome. Well,
2: one of the things they tell you in the thing is don't have a family member or a friend do the cover. Hire a professional artist. And I was at this book conference, and we went, out to, we went out to eat, and I was about to, you know, the book was about to drop. I was two weeks away from, and so I'm, I'm the new kid, you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, it's coming out. And they're like, oh, let us you know, everyone wanted to see the cover and all this stuff. I show it. And these authors, some who've written six, seven books, they're all like, who's your cover artist? Do you have a card? I want to cover it. I'm like, that's my kid. And none of them believe me. <laughs> so, That's awesome.
1: That is so great. Yeah, well, she's very yeah. talented. Thank you. I, I think I'll. take am taking credit for it. <laughs> 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 well, you're saying thank you for her. She, yeah. she did
2: not inherit that from me. That came from her mom.
1: <laughs> hey, but sh- you know, she's a part of you, so therefore, it's a facto, it's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. I know a lot of people when they're reading books, you try to imagine, like, okay, what actor would play this character in a movie? So I want to know they're making runes to steal the movie. Who is gonna play who? Tell me what who would play the characters.
2: All right, I gotta say this first though. Uh, that's like a favorite pastime authors when they get together. They're like, oh, who'd who you cast? And they all have actors and actresses in mind. And when they ask me at this one particular, you know, we're out to, out for drinks after a conference, and I'm like, I don't necessarily. Want to see the movie. Uh, my thing is, I want to see it on a library shelf. Uh, libraries were such a big a part of my life. To me, I made it as an author when my book is something that some kid can check out, take home, read, and bring back. Um, that's, that's kind of my bucket list on this, uh, where most authors are like, I want to see a movie, I want a TV series. Hey, If that happens, I'm not going to turn away the check. Sure. But my, my thing is, I want to see it on a library shelf.
1: My but heart that, is just, like, so I saying, happy that's, right that's now. That's, like, so
0: awesome. That's so awesome. Well, I
2: mean, a library was, I mean, a big, big part of my life. Uh, I grew up in it. And the Drakeet Library at the time, the uh, head librarian was a guy by the name of Dave Davis, who's also an author. And they had a children's librarian named Donna Beals. And Dave let Donna do some stuff that just you couldn't do these days. Um, and she really got the kids involved. We hiked mountains. I mean, stuff very far outside of, of the library. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Dave and Donna took us. We hiked up the White Mountains and stuff like that. We rappelled off the roof of the Dracott Library, which I don't know who the head <laughs> of the what? library is right now, but if they're listening, they're having a stroke. <laughs> um, so it, was it was before a, it was the big, remodel. It, it was very much before the remodel. Um, but it was, I mean, we got to do some cool stuff, and that kind of factored a lot into my reading and my writing and things along those lines. But uh, to get to your answer, sorry, I kind of took it off. No,
1: of no, field. that was that was um, so awesome.
2: So the main character is Mike Brennan and he's a ex-cop. He's he's a big guy. He's a big guy, he's a strong guy. He kind of has a false image of himself. He kind of sees himself more of a, a a you know thuggish guy when in reality he's not. Um, but I personally, I would like to see Adam Baldwin play it yeah. Jane from Firefly. Yeah. I think I mean, as long as he doesn't try to do a Boston accent, <laughs> uh, which I think should be illegal if you're not from Massachusetts. You animal uh, mother. Animal mother. Yes, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Yeah, from from Jay's perspective. My it's brother is mother. looking at
1: Jack like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Well, Are th- you fucking kidding me right now? You know who the fuck he is? He's fucking animal mother."
2: Yeah. Oh, he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, what was it? My bodyguard way back in the day. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's anything he does, he does a great job on, but. Uh, Jane in Firefly, he gets to see his... I don't know if you ever saw the series. Yeah, we yeah. love that I series. I was deployed the entire time the series was on. I come back and I was like, this is great. I'm like, great, when's it on? Oh, it was canceled. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. It was like four years before I got to see it on the Sci-Fi Channel. But the comedy that he does on that, he he, he's just... He's good. I'd love to see so him. He's, he's actually slightly older than the character at this point, but I think he'd do a great job.
1: I think he could pull it off. Yeah, I'm sure. So... Before. Mr. Baldwin, if you're listening, I follow you on Twitter. Uh, Let's make this movie happen with you starring in it. Yeah, there you go. Please and thank you.
2: Now, uh, I have to throw this out there. I don't necessarily agree with some people, but uh, I... Like me? Like you. I've gotten feedback from four people, including my wife, who cracks up every time somebody else tells me this, but... Several people apparently envision Bruce Campbell, who I think is a phenomenal actor, as Mike Brennan. I don't personally see it, but uh, hey, (laughs) he's he's good in everything he's in. The thing you got
1: to realize about (laughs) Bruce Campbell, who I also love. So you watch him, his character, especially when you watch Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. You think of Bruce Campbell as the guy who doesn't give up. Sure, He gets the shit beat out of him. And he keeps going. He doesn't stop. He wants to stop. He's like, what the fuck am I doing? But he keeps going. And and that's, with Mike Brennan, that's how I see it. This guy is getting the shit beat out of him. But he doesn't stop. He's had his world torn apart. People he loves, that he knows and that he loves, they're gone. And he still has to do his job. And he's trying to stay focused. And he's hurt. And... He just keeps going. He does not fucking stop. And I just think of like Bruce Campbell like fucking shit. Like, okay, here we go again, but well, jumps I mean, into it.
2: That's the great thing about books is it doesn't matter what I think the character looks like. The reader gets the reader gets to have their own version. That's exactly. the great thing about yeah. books. So you want to imagine Bruce Campbell? Go for it. You want to imagine mini-me? Go for <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, Adam Baldwin would be my choice for, uh, for an actor. Um, Zoe, the wife, I'm not giving anything away with this. Uh, but one of the big things in fantasy is they're all lone wolves, you know, family's dead, they're, they're orphan. you know, uh, the, the whole Batman thing gives them their edge. Okay. The best cops I've ever seen had a uh, stable background. They had parents, they had siblings, maybe a spouse some children, that's what grounded them and allowed them to do their job without kind of, you know, going a little on edge.
1: Yeah, they had a good and, support system. Yes,
2: and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from the single officers out there, but when you have the stuff that typically happens in a book or a movie, you want a support structure, and I wanted to have that for this character in this book. You know, his wife, Zoe, is, uh, in my opinion, she's a badass. This isn't a, 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 a damsel in distress type character at all. Uh, if anything, uh, you know, he might turn to her for, hey, you know.
1: And she's a hot badass, too. Uh,
2: I'd I like to think so. Uh, my wife doesn't understand the whole green leather thing. That I loved it. I I don't know. I think she doesn't like green leather, but I, I don't know. The, the way you <laughs> described it,
1: I'm reading it, and, like, the moccasin boots and everything, right. and, like, she's got the wands on her thighs, and I'm just like, this woman is so fucking badass. I love it. She's, oh, I'm, like, envisioning her outfit, and I'm just like... I want to fucking wear that. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's another thing on my bucket list. I know it as an author when somebody cosplays one of my characters, then I'm just going to, I'm going to go like, <sniffs>
1: okay. gonna, I got to go get a drink. Oh, I'm going to have to do this. I, awesome. I need to make this happen and I'll, I'll be able to actually tap your mind to make sure I'm doing it properly. Sure.
2: Yay. There you go. Um, the Marcuson thing, I'm glad you brought that up. It kills me watching like some detective or superhero uh, uh vampire, whatever, female character duking it out, wearing nine-inch heels. Fucking
1: thank you! Oh my god! Oh my god. So, we've been watching Castle again, and the detective's always wearing heels, and they even call her out on it, but you see you're running. You're fucking wa- like, you're running around in, like, nine-inch heels. Really? Uh-uh. Because I've I've done wrestling stuff in heels. I used to practice working out in heels when I was training for wrestling. That shit's fucking hard, okay? And you got to do that every day. It's not realistic. Just saying.
2: Oh, no. I, I, that's why she's got the moccasins, and it's not like moccasins you wear when you're on your couch in front of the fire. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they're more like muckraker moccasins. But I wanted, I wanted all my characters to basically be somewhat believable. I mean, obviously there's magic in there. So, you know, the magic, you suspend the the, the reality. But yeah, I, I didn't want her, you know, okay. You know, she's wearing knee high boots and uh, that's not feasible in, mm-hmm. in a battle situation. Though you mentioned castle. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind if Nathan wanted to play Mike. either. I <gasps> do so, uh, <laughs> accent. So yeah. Um But yeah, Zoe, I uh, honestly, I mean, here's the problem is, I'm going off, I'm envisioning them, not necessarily now, but how I knew these actors or actresses and stuff like that. Uh, Valerie Bertinelli. (gasps) Okay. But if you're going to go with an actress that's age-appropriate today, not that Valerie Bertinelli still isn't stunning. (laughs) Probably, uh, and I'm going to butcher her last name, uh, Linda uh, Catalini, the one who played Velma on Scooby-Doo movies.
1: uh, Is it Cardellini? Candellini? Is it a... I can spell r? it. I just Man.
2: can't. I can just can't pronounce it. C a r d e l l i n i. So was that Card- Cardellini? Cardellini? Yeah. Cardellini. I think. Um,
1: yeah, I like her. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she played Hawkeye's wife in uh, the Avengers. That's movie. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And no, she was yeah. in Mad Men.
0: Yeah, that's right. She was in yeah. Mad Men. She looked way older in Mad Men. She
1: did. Yeah. But yeah, that
2: might have been time period type yeah I could have yeah yeah yeah. But, yeah but she's she's a phenomenal actress yeah and, oh yeah uh, I think she'd do a great job see, but there's she's a lot of actresses out there I think could do a good job with. and Zoe. it's
1: funny because she's cute hot and yes. that's kind of how I pictured Zoe was like cute hot not yep. like you see some of these like bombshell kind of women she was more like cute hot like she's hot but she's cute too yes, exactly so that would be yeah awesome. no you nailed
2: it yep yeah um you're such a fangirl I know. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> It's awesome. Okay, so now we come to one of Jay's favorite characters, Eddie. I
1: love Eddie. I love the red <laughs> mohawk. Yeah, I got, like a, punk rocker in me. Get all excited.
2: I had a lot of fun writing Eddie. Eddie was uh, Eddie was a blast. There's only one person I could really well. That's not true. But the person I envisioned, and this is one of the few characters where I thought of an actor as I wrote this character, was uh, DJ Quarles.
1: <gasps> oh my gosh, with the red mohawk. Yes. Yep.
2: So I could also see the... uh, You know, I can't remember his name, which is horrible, but Pirates of the Caribbean, the actor who had the eye... Yeah, the pirate eye! He's
1: like in other shit, too. Yeah, he's... uh, Is he the same guy from The Rundown with The Rock? I think so. the pilot, he's a little loopy. Yeah. Uh,
2: He he might have been. He he did a series in England that's awesome about people with metal detectors. It's just low-key series that he wrote and stars in that's absolutely fantastic. But he would be another one that would be good for Eddie. Um, But I... I envision DJ, you know, Garth, yeah. from supernatural. Like,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, I love supernatural. And for those who don't know, he's, he was in, um, road trip and yeah, the was. new guy, he's like that tall, lanky kid, but he's, uh, he's, he's yeah. funny too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that well, would be I mean, awesome. Eddie
2: is all elbows and, and, Adam's yeah. office, so, yes. mean, and, and DJ is a phenomenal actor. Yeah. So yeah, he I'm, is. I'm talking on his first name. Like I know the guy, but yeah,
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I, I want to ask because I know Jay loves repeat, and I'm kind of curious. Do we do we want to give away about repeat to say um, who I wouldn't you give anything player? away?
2: No, yeah, I don't give well, it away. Well, because if you
1: say don't who give it, would it play, away, then it's I, giving it away.
2: Well, for one thing, I don't have somebody to play repeat. I can't envision, and I think even discussing repeat gives away a very cool part of the it plot. It does. Okay, what um,
1: about Professor Martin Wheeler?
2: You know what? He was. I'm sorry, Eddie wasn't the only one. There was a very specific specific actor in mind when I was writing Martin, and that was Keenan Thompson. <gasps> Most people know him from you know Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I know him from Keenan and Kel. But uh, yeah, I think he would be phenomenal in that role. I'm thinking Jordan Peele. <gasps> he Ooh,
1: would do a great yeah. job in that too. Jordan yeah, Jordan Peele would be he'd do, awesome. would do a great job. Oh. But
2: in my mind, it's it's Martin. Oh. Uh, uh, is uh, Keenan? Yeah, but but Jordan Peele would absolutely do a great. Great job That's awesome Uh, Gabby Yeah Would be Jessica Henwick If you've ever seen Iron Fist She plays Colleen Wing Okay She also played uh, uh, The um, The actress In the Star Wars movie Where they're doing the bombing run On the Star Destroyer Rose's sister and okay. if you watch Game of Thrones, she was one of the Sand Sisters.
1: Okay, she's awesome. A, she's a good
2: actress, and I, I think she did a great job as Gabby.
1: I loved Gabby. I, I love the the music part yeah. of her character. Her soundtrack. Yeah, oh her my, soundtrack is so awesome. God,
2: that was so hard to write. Because I got to tiptoe around licensing, so I can't <gasps> actually write lyrics. Because oh. then I got to pay licensing. And, you know, some of the... So I if you notice, like, I'll mention the... Uh, The singer, because it's a public figure, you know, and you have to kind of
1: put two and two together. You
2: you have to figure out the songs. But so far, no one's only one person has come to me and said, hey, is that this song? And they were right. So
1: oh, uh, I totally knew all the songs.
2: Yeah. So good that I did what I was trying to do. But yeah, I was I, I that was that was kind of a difficult dance. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, that's well, true. You, you don't really job. think of
0: that when you're writing. Yeah, You've yeah. got to take all that kind of stuff into account, right? Yeah,
2: and yeah. You, don't, you don't realize that until you're actually sitting there writing. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's I, I'm also a lawyer, so <laughs> I, 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 you know, that whole, you could get sued thing is always in the back of sure. my mind somewhere. yeah, yeah. Uh, the two other characters I would mention, honestly, um, I, I don't have uh, someone in mind. One is Trek, Uncle Trek, who, whoever it is, I just wanted to be an Irish actor. Because I don't want, I, it just, it should be an Irish actor. And yeah. there's so many great actors that came from Ireland in Bad Penny who is just, oh my God, she's one of my favorite characters. But I can't even, I, I have no idea who could play her because just, I don't know, she's just so cool. But also with Bad Penny, you'd almost, without spoiling, I think you'd almost need more than one actor. Yeah. So, well,
1: with computer or stuff. CGI. Yeah. I mean yeah yeah and the character bad penny it's so funny because you're cuz you're reading the description of her the way that mike is seeing her too which is really cool but you can't help but like her you, you just you can't help but like her and she's like this little teeny tiny little badass and it's the contrast of her character it's so fun uh, yeah i i can't think of who could play her either but I think that's why, I like the imagination, the way. There's, uh, yeah, again. there's my word, imagination.
0: Yeah, well, he. Yeah, but you were right though. That's the great thing about books—you can envision whoever mm-hmm. playing it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the great thing about it. Making so.
2: Like from. Uh
1: oh yeah. Oh, from
0: Kickass. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. great
2: pick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, so now I have to ask both you guys. You're in the city of Llewellyn. You have a horde of zombies, and you have a horde of vampires, one on each side of the alley, and you're stuck in the middle. Which one do you take on? Uh,
2: I mean, you take out the, the, the worst threat. That would be the vampires. Yeah, whoever the worst threat is, take them out first.
1: Now, here's the other caveat. You can only have one weapon.
2: Uh, is running away count as a weapon? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do I have an atomic bomb?
1: It's a weapon. It's a weapon. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you take yourself out. Gabby. Yeah. Yep. She's considered a weapon. Absolutely. And again, if you haven't read the read the book yet, go on to Amazon and buy it and read it. And then you'll know what we're talking about. There you go. Yeah. I'm going to fucking plug this shit all day.
2: Plug, plug, <laughs> plug. Oh, thank you very much.
1: No, seriously. Uh, we were mentioning before, uh, I don't like to read. I'm not a big reader. I find a book that I like and it's like either like it and I'll go through it within like a couple days or I'm like, whatever. And it sits on my shelf. I don't like to read books. And my brother hyped me up about this book. And so I'm like, okay, well, if my brother's telling me about it, it's got to be good. And I'm reading the back cover and I'm like looking at it and I'm just like, shit, okay, I'm really excited to read this. And I Just fell in love with this book. And there's another character that I have to bring up. We got Mickey.
2: I don't want to give too much away about Mm -hmm.
1: Mickey. But I just want to say, for any other reason, people need to read this book. Because he's the fucking man. Oh, my God. Read it. And then you get to the end. I was fucking crying. I had, like, tears. Oh, my God. Don't give
0: anything away. I'm not
1: giving anything away. It was so good. It was so awesome. I fucking love this book. And it's like... Yes, you, you you do. Know when, you know an Anchorman yeah. where he's like, I love you. I want to shout it from the rooftops. It's like, that's how I feel about this book.
2: <laughs> wow. That's... I- I can't tell you how awesome that is uh, to hear because when you start writing, you're like, oh, what are people going to think? This is going to be horrible. And that's one of the first things you need to get rid of, but it's still in the back of your head somewhere. Sure. So that, that's that's huge. Thank I, you very I much. I think
1: this is the first time I've read a book and I felt like, how can I explain it? Like, you get me. Even though, like, you didn't even know me. It was like, just the different references. They were like pop culture references. The characters, everyone. There, it was so good. And I'm just like, this book and I we get each other we're cool we're down and it was just it was so awesome it's like it's a good fit and I feel like some people can fit easier with books I don't and so this was the first time I felt like I really truly clicked with a book and that's why I'm so excited about it because and it's also an easy read I could read it and understand and some books you're reading are like wait a minute, and you have to go back five pages, like, what did I miss? And I'm so confused. But this was such an easy, good read, and it was fun. And I'm like, reading as fast as, like, with the action scenes, like, I'm, like, going fast, because my heart's pumping. And I'm just like, oh, God, yeah. And, like, go, 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 go. And I'm, like, reading everything. It was just so awesome. And I never experienced that with the book. So... It, it was just really neat, so I'm totally like super fangirl.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's again, that's the hallmark of a great author. Just, y- you can read the book and you feel like it's talking to you. Yeah. he didn't write it for you specifically, but it feels but like he th- did. But when you get that feeling, it's like, well, fuck, that's a that's a good book. Uh, so that yeah, that's a I, great I'm, book. I'm, I'm
2: <laughs> I'm, you can't see it. I turn them red. <laughs> um, thank you. I well, I basically I tried to put all the hallmarks of all the books I liked into it. Okay, Tolkien. I'm committing blasphemy here. I'm probably going to get hate mail. Tolkien did a phenomenal job. He created this huge world. He, he created languages. He did, he did an unbelievable job. But I always felt his actual writing was dry. Um, he, took a, he, took a, he took a very simple story and made it incredibly complicated. But when I, when, I went, when I would read it, I'd be like, I'd do a couple of chapters, I'd be nodding off. C.S. Lewis took a very complicated subject, made it simple. I found his easy to read. Of course, I found his easy to read because it was designed for kids. But it was that's kind of the two. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Terry Pratchett. He's one of my all-time favorite authors. Uh, passed away a couple years ago. One of the probably the two things that uh, upset me the most: I never get to meet Stanley or Terry Pratchett um, for people to meet. But he 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 does that where he takes a complicated story and he says it teaches does it in a very simple way in a way that keeps you enthralled, and I kind of wanted to do that with the book. I wanted to keep it so when you get to the end of a chapter, you'd immediately want to start reading the other chapter, even though it was three a.m. And um, there was another author that I didn't know. I, I we were I mentioned Rick Gulletti. Tumor Bill series, which, by the way, you should check out. You know, they tell you 101, don't promote other authors' works. People read that instead of yours. I don't care. He's got this very <laughs> cool series about a nerd who gets turned into a vampire.
1: Okay, I'm um, going to have to read it.
2: And it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's very funny. Anyways, you know, he's so there was he got a lot of authors that follow his Facebook page. And one of them reached out to me and said, hey, I bought your book. I said I'd read a couple chapters before I went to bed. It's now 4 a.m. and I'm done with the book. <laughs> And I was like, that's I'm awesome. sitting there going, uh, "I don't care if I another sell another book." I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 you know that bell got rung. Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's badass. I, uh, I very happy to hear that. And the funny thing is, I never communicated with this guy. We just happened to be in the same group. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah, did, so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, Go no, ahead. I
1: was just gonna say, you did such a good job because there are such good, funny parts too. I was laughing out loud, and I'm thinking, like, everyone's yeah. gonna be like, "What?" what is she laughing about? But it, like, there were times like, I everybody, was, like, probably Ooh, me and the kids. Cause yeah, <laughs> everybody. And it was so funny. <laughs> and I didn't want to put it down. And I, like, I felt bad. I was ignoring my family. I'm just like, mommy's reading, be quiet. And I just like, okay, I'll be, I'll be there in a minute. Yep. I'll make you dinner in a minute. And then I'm like, I just want to get to the, the, to the next chapter. And then I'm like, okay, I'll be there in five more minutes, <laughs> and I just like
2: yep, had that's to go what
1: another
2: chapter. <laughs> exactly. But I got it read right in two I, days. I, I, I probably shouldn't take enjoyment at you neglecting your children, <laughs> but, but but I do. So uh, um,
1: sorry, kids. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, one of the things, like I, I, I'll get three books done, hopefully, knock on wood, before I, I do this. But one of the things that's very up and coming with books is audiobooks. Yeah. So you've got people who, you know, they're not big readers but they like stories. They you know, they like the movies or TV. Sure. They find the audiobooks a lot easier. My daughter prefers to read audiobooks. Uh, my friend John, he throws them in the car wherever he goes, and that's how he reads his books. He's, yeah. he goes he goes, I can't tell you the last time I wrote an actual book. I was screaming blasphemy and you know, you know, throwing holy water on him when he was saying that, but <laughs> um, but yeah, audiobooks are a huge part of of uh, books these days sure um, yep. and it makes it's a whole different audience so yeah down the road it'll, hopefully knock on wood it'll be an audio book as well
1: awesome I, I personally I'm old school I like paper I like tangible things that's why I don't like reading on tablets Yeah, yep. I want the actual paper and I love the smell of Old paper, by the way, I'm weird. No,
2: no, I totally get that. I'm <laughs> yeah. The same way, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: But yeah, I like tangible things. So it, you, it's funny you talk about the audiobook. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday morning, and there was a guy who was talking about how he has like an hour commute and he listens to audiobooks and he'll get through like multiple books a week. And I'm just thinking, like, well, that's not really reading.
0: Yeah, I know I that was, sounds like I'm not yeah. trying
1: to be judgmental because there are people yeah, who can't they the can't way. see or whatever, and it's wonderful for them. But for me, I was like, I feel like you're cheating a little bit.
2: I yeah. personally don't get in audiobooks. Um, I it, and it's which is funny because I was just saying, hey, audiobooks are great, and they are. Yeah. But for me, it's reading. I have I've actually kind of gone to the dark side and I read off a tablet a lot just because I can store 15 books in a tablet. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But audiobooks. Personally, don't do it for me. Um, I I like the pages, the words on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I have a ridiculous collection of books to the point to where we bought a a summer camp that had exposed beams, and I literally insulated it with my paperbacks. (laughs) I have a wall from the ceiling to the floor is nothing but paperbacks. So not only is it insulated, but we always have reading material. That's That's awesome.
0: awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. I've got to read a book. Like I need to turn pages. I need that tangible thing. Like you, I have a bunch of stuff on my tablet too. But I always, I'm like, ah, I just, I just need to read the actual book. So I have like a copy on my tablet and have the actual paperback or the
2: hardcover. You know? Oh, I feel like a traitor every time I use a yeah, tablet. Yeah, but right? it's yeah, It's just so yeah. easy. It, it really is. It, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, enjoyed it. I, you know, I'm working on a sequel. Um, it's going to be a series. Uh, the sequel's Runes of Blood. I'm hoping to have it out next year.
1: I'm so excited.
2: Are you thinking four books total? Is that, is that the goal? No, it's an open-ended series. Oh, oh, yeah. that's, that's it awesome. It will go
1: forever. Hey, why not? Yay, I'll be why so not? happy.
2: Yeah, it's well, working. <laughs> I mean, they'll, hopefully it'll be an end date. Um, there's an author, Robert Jordan, used to write Conan back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, great author. He was writing a series called Wheel of Time, and it was supposed to be, I forget, but it was supposed to be something like four books or something like that, and then he expanded it, and then he expanded again. And then he expanded it again. Well, uh, a very good friend of mine, Bob Boulogne, who's one of the beta readers, he calls me up and he goes, hey, the, the the latest Jordan book dropped. And I'm like, no, I'm done. He goes, what are you talking about? You like series? I'm like, no, a series is great, but I'm done. He keeps bringing the book out. It's never ending. I go, I'm not reading again until it's done. I go, some bitch is going to drop dead and the series won't be done. And he goes, you're yeah, out your mind. I, I'm picking it up tomorrow. I'm like, all right, yeah, have fun. Don't tell me about it. A year later, I, the phone rings. I answer it. And it's Bob. You bastard. You bad. I'm like, what? Jordan's dead. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be laughing. Uh, this poor guy passed away. He had an illness. Yeah. But it was like I predicted it. And he, you know, Bob's like, you cursed him. I'm like, no, I, I just, I just, I just didn't want to have it open ended like that. Jordan knew he was sick. And uh, he picked an author by the name of Bra- uh, Brandon Sanderson, who I also recommend. Uh, he's more epic fantasy, but uh, he's got, so he's, he's got a wide variety. He's a very good author. He was his chosen successor and he actually finished the series, which I think was, you have a man who's dealing with a terminal illness and he mm-hmm. has the foresight to think of his fans yeah. and set it up so somebody continue his work yeah, just for his fans, which, you know, made me feel bad for saying he was going to drop dead, you know, but, but yeah, he did, you know, he did a good job. Yeah. So yes, it's an open-ended series. But uh, there is kind of an end somewhere in the back of my head. It's, but, yeah, there's things in this book that is hinted at that will come out in later
1: books. I'm so excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you,
2: you
0: just made her year.
1: <laughs> I'm, like, super excited. Yay! That's Yay awesome. Yay for me. Yes. E so for the readers.
2: The, the city of Llewellyn. I, I grew up in the city of Lowell and I took pieces of Lowell for Llewellyn. The name has nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, oh, yeah, they all got L's. I'm like, no, I just really wanted a really Welsh name. (laughs) Um, But Lowell's got a lot of bridges. It Mm -hmm. has a river. Uh, It's a mill city. I mean, Massachusetts has a lot of mill cities. Mm -hmm. The the city of Llewellyn is set in Massachusetts. And, you know, you got Lowell Lawrence Lynn, and a bunch of others. Mm -hmm. But growing up in Lowell... You know, you have the fog rolling, and it's 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 a gothic city. Yeah. You know, you have cobblestone streets. Yeah. You know, you got the old bridges. You got these mills with these stacks, chimney stacks, of mm-hmm. which, if you go back far enough in my family, I have an ancestor who was on the crew that built some of those chimneys. So, yeah, so when I visited Llewellyn, I kind of, I took bits and pieces from, uh, from Lowell. So, from the outside, it looks like a normal city. hmm but if you go over the bridges, you break the illusion and then you see the inner city and what looks like mills with chimneys are actually wizard's towers. hmm And you get the cobblestones, you also got, you know, thatched roofs cottages, witches reside, and things along those lines. So, yeah, so I took a little bit from my childhood um, from Lowell.
1: I totally want to go live in Llewellyn. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, there's some
2: free real estate right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like, Not Lowell, but Llewellyn, yes. (laughs) Lived in Lowell. I'm good. (laughs) No offense. All right. Well, as we're wrapping up, first of all, I can't thank you enough for coming and being on our podcast.
2: I can't thank you enough for having me. Well, it's
1: it's funny because I'm thinking like he's going to think I'm like this freak who's like, oh, my God, this girl is freaking nuts. Like, I want nothing to do with them. She's crazy. Girl needs to back down. So I'm just like, you should be on our podcast. <laughs> and he's like, sure. And I'm just like, oh, my God. That's so cool. Oh,
2: yeah. No, he I, I was like, someone wants me on a podcast? They like the book that much? Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. No, thank you very much. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much. And you Good. too, Jay. Yeah,
1: thank oh, you, Jay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I mean, I got to twist the guy's arm to come stop by. Yeah, and no, right? Just Jeez. invite him on the podcast and he'll be yeah. here, I guess. There you <laughs> well, go.
2: We, we, we took our motorcycles to get here, and he got lost going to his sister's house. So, you know.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, oh <what>?
2: Wow. <laughs> by Harley. I'm like, oh, which street is it? It's cold. I just passed by. Crap. Turn around. All right. <laughs> Made a wrong turn.
1: Almascava. I had under the bus. I'm there. A That's lost. awesome. <laughs> Tremendous. Well, Jack, for everyone listening, how can people find you online?
2: I have a really horrible website because I don't know what I'm doing called JackCullenWrites.com because they wanted too much money for Jack Cullen. Honestly, the best way is Facebook. It's Jack Cullen Books. The book, you can uh, easiest place to get it is Amazon. You can put my name in, Jack Cullen, or the, uh, the Runes of Steel, which is the first book of Recollections of a Rune Knight.
1: So they can find you on Twitter? At Jack Cullen Books, Instagram, Jack Cullen Books, and on Facebook.
2: Jack Cullen Books. Jack
1: Cullen Books. There we go. The only
2: thing that doesn't have that is the website, which is jackcullenrights.com.
1: Jackcullenrights.com. So please, check him out. Follow him online on social media. We don't have Facebook, so we can't follow you on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Facebook, but we can follow you on Twitter. I do.
0: I do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But
1: if you're listening, follow him on any social media platform that you prefer, and buy his book if you haven't bought it already.
0: Yeah, and check out the show, the show notes for uh, links. We will provide links yes. there as well.
1: Yes. Please buy the book because it's just so good. If I could afford to buy everyone I knew a book and just give it to them so they could enjoy it, I would totally do that. But I can't. So I'm just asking you, please buy the book just for the sheer fact that I truly believe you are going to enjoy this book.
2: It's um it's also available as an ebook as well as a uh, yes. hard copy.
1: But as you said, I don't like those. I like the paper. But hey, if you like ebooks, go for it. It's available.
0: There you go. All right. And of course, interact with us, reach out to us, let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at,
1: at Homewrecker Pod,
0: Instagram.
1: Homewrecker podcast
0: and visit us on our website at
1: www.homewreckerpodcast.com
0: and join us next week as we continue our discussion on time travel and next week we're actually going to talk about one story that's pretty fascinating one that captured my imagination I know it captured yours too we're going to talk about the John Teeter story
1: very fascinating very interesting so tune in
0: with that special thanks to jack cullen to jay thanks and you guys. for my beautiful lovely gorgeous trophy wife monique i am the golden greek Alexarion.
1: and you've been listening to the homewrecker podcast on the wiretap radio network